welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. Welcome to 2022. I'm your host, Ryan, this week, and joining me, as always, is Crofton. Crofton, how has the first three weeks of this year, or three months, depending on how you look at it, treated you so far? Hello, Ryan and listeners. Happy New Year. I I uh, I would say it's been it's been like crazy town like parent parenting we're in ontario as we mentioned pretty much every episode and uh and yeah they you know they shut down schools like made went to virtual learning out of the christmas break and then there was a huge snowfall and they closed schools for that just as they were supposed to open them and like my daycare was closed because people had covid or something it was just like it's just been it's been a wild ride uh for sure so i i gotta say it's it's been big it's been big uh how about you uh how about you ryan yeah um i i had to ask you pre-show like when when did we when did we record the daddies by the way still don't don't google or don't google that no. definitely don't bing it that's for sure um i think that uh yeah it's been it's been a long three weeks so like yeah you said the schools were closed i remember that um i remember yeah. that <laughs> right it's like i recall that i do recall that that was a bit it's of a bump a kid, in the road it's got a kid on each arm it's just like <laughs> daddy you know schools. here's the thing uh y- yes yeah they they closed the schools for a couple of weeks but i got a you know shout out to uh ashley who is um off off work she's not listening to this but i'm still gonna shout her out um she did a phenomenal job uh you know helping with uh with the kids in virtual learning and really like i you know when caden was in virtual learning um i i eventually he got he got so good not good like i don't want to say good at it he he was content to listen and 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 engage and he just he was able to snap back into it with this virtual learning session so um oftentimes i would if when isabel was home too i would be watching Caden, and it was really just you know uh tech support essentially uh because he had already done a year but yeah that, that we did that for two weeks and um you know the kids the kids are actually still home uh we're hoping to get them back into school uh next week we just kept them home a little longer since we we figured we were so we were so content with them being home that we would extend it just a little bit to make sure the schools were uh you know back at it and it's different everywhere i like how you always are very kind to your wife like you're borderline sucking up to your wife on the on the air of a podcast that she will not listen to i do i do find that because technically we could just rag on our old ball and chains all the time and they would never find out because they never listen to this although at one point if we become a viral sensation hey did you hear the podcast about the two doofuses that make fun of their wives (laughs) i would never do that yeah, uh, that, no. that would be a bad idea because here's the no. thing. I send her the timestamps of, of every compliment, um, yeah. whether she <laughs> listens to those. I just have a feeling that, uh, you know, uh, someone, someone out there will, will send the timestamps. I send her the, the timestamps. Yeah. I think it's super uh, simple for her to, to skip through all the nonsense about, you know, video games and, and, and Mandalorians and, and all that. So, you laugh, you laugh, but I was like, um, like Bo, Bo's like, hey, I was talking about you on Core the other day, 
and, and and I'm like, really? And I'm like, he's like, yeah, you should listen. I'm like, just give me the timestamps. Oh, he's course. like, no. He's like, just listen to the show. I'm like, it's like super long. I'm not gonna listen. Just give me the timestamps. And, and, and anyway, so so yeah. uh, the I, trick I, is I to front load it right, so you don't have to really like give them complex timestamps. Yeah. Like for example, if Bo and Scott and John. Uh, from the great podcast core wanted you to listen to it they would talk about you in the first 15 minutes they wouldn't wait to like the hour mark no but that's well i don't know like if i know like the first time boat played it he's like it's somewhere in there you're gonna have to listen and i'm like god damn you boat but uh but yeah um this is a good seg actually Mm. because uh i was on tv yesterday in canada i saw Uh, your your images that you you were putting out there and i mean i don't mean to jump ahead but like the first image did they just give you two stills to use or no my 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 brother swiped these stills look you're you're bearing the lead here ryan look i was on (laughs) national tv cbc coast to coast uh anyway what um, show is it i've never heard of it so there's a show there's a show it's it's on seven seasons it's on the seven seasons and it's called still standing and essentially it's a stand-up comedian that goes to small towns in canada and kind of like picks out a few local uh people and uh and you know lightly roasts them and tells the story of the town and uh that's not a small town no, Wakefield, dummy. I'm not from Ottawa. Wakefield mm. is the town near Dubai. But they didn't profile me. Just to be clear, I am grossly exaggerating my importance. They profiled my brother. And I happen to be sitting in the front row next to him. So I'm in the crowd reaction shots. But it as as you as you suggested about front loading, <laughs> they the very first shot of the show practically is me clapping and smiling with my mom in the front front row, like being like, oh yeah. And then the last shot the last shot of the show, which is like, thanks for being here, everyone. It's another crowd reaction shot. Again, me and my mom. So it's like they designed the show knowing like look Crofton's not going to watch this whole thing unless he's at the very beginning and at the very end so uh so they managed to hold my attention throughout that and my brother made up about a third of the show so I feel like uh you know I I I had to watch it but yeah it was it was uh it was it was um it was funny but it is funny that I like there's these my brother immediately pulled out this those two stills that I shared he's like look check it out you know you're in it you should watch it now I love Scott's reaction on Twitter, which was, uh, I think it was penis related. Something yes. Else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, I can't blame him. No, it, it was right there. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, uh, yeah. So anyway, it was just, it was, it is just kind of fun. Cause I'm just like this side character to my brother's story. My brother runs a bungee jump site and therefore is kind of a bit of a local celebrity in, uh, in Wakefield and such. So, uh, so it comes across very well on TV, uh, very very slick, and then then you you got my big shaggy hair and, and plump face sitting next to him and stuff like that. So yeah, totally. For those of you in Canada, still standing season seven, Wakefield. You can find me in that. Um, but uh, but yeah, the other my other big news, Ryan, I wanted to share. Uh, beyond the fact that I was, I mean, now national celebrity in Canada for audience reaction shots, um, is uh, is that I completed, or I completed, my buddy Mike slash contractor completed turning my shed into an office. 
Um, and it's, uh, it's pretty sweet. And like, like, I don't know for podcasting if I'll eventually take it out there, but, but right now I'm working in it and Ooh, baby, it is so nice to have like this quiet space. Uh, and yeah, it, it's sad, but we're at the point in the pandemic in life where having retrofitting my shed is like a big news for me. Yeah. But you know what? I've, I've been to your house, uh, invited yeah, and I was at your house. It's not like I snuck into the backyard. <laughs> I, 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 I like you. At, you're, you're, just to be clear. You know, I it, wanted to get ahead of you saying, like, yeah. I didn't invite you. What, what, when do you go? To, you know, and yeah. then the whole podcast thing, you know, the banter back and forth. And then I'd say, remember, you know, I was there. You definitely invited me. Um, no, I've seen your shed. Like, it's it's like when I picture a shed, I picture, you know, I grew up on a farm. A shed was kind of like those, like four tin walls with a very flimsy tin roof and like one of those doors that like slides back and forth that was a shed uh where i grew up your shed is more like a second home uh sort of like structure um like a like a gazebo like a fancy gazebo style thing it's a pretty beefy shed it's still a shed don't get me wrong but like i think like i think people need to understand like you're like uh, you were like retrofitting a, a pretty stellar shed to begin with, right? Oh yeah, no that that's true. And the other thing is that we've we've um, you know like when you say stuff about sheds, like um, <laughs> it makes it me sound, sound you know, it sound it sounds ghetto. Yeah. But like we just as it was being completed, we started to talk about um, we started to talk about uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, sorry, I I, I got. Uh, distracted there um uh oh yes we started noticing we were talking about sheds uh uh, all over and and people would be like oh yeah shed and a very great good deal you got a shed that's great for you you're turning into an office wow fancy shed but now we've started to call it the study um and as soon as we started but we did it subconsciously like it wasn't like all of a sudden we said oh let's start calling it the study because people don't think much of it when we call it the shed it's just like it got to a point where it looks so good that my brain just naturally changed it from the shed to the study so uh so yeah it's now the study i think you should call it yeah the study is it it makes it sound kind of regal when you think about it um and i mean as long as you have a good internet connection out there i mean really like you've got everything going i mean you're not podcasting there we talked about you know pre-show separating you know having that separation allow your basement to be more of a, a fun basement as opposed to a, a, an office type setup right so that i i think it'll be good uh, so you have done some work out there yeah it's great yeah that's good it's that division of space, as you say, it's a division of space. Like the idea, like, I, and I know it's a luxury and I know not everybody's in these, this type of situation, but like, if you can avoid like working, if you're working from home, working in the same place that you're going to be relaxing later, then I mean, that's probably pretty good for you mentally. Like I walked down to the basement tonight to do this show and I, I didn't feel like, oh, I'm returning to my workstation. You know, I was going somewhere else to do something different. And uh, it just, it has that effect. And like, I'm hoping that that, you know, that's going to continue. So looking forward to that. Uh, thank you for coming to my shed talk. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. That's the title new, of the show. A, Write that down. A new feature, a new feature on Dungeons and Diapers, where Crofton will spend ten minutes every episode off the top talking about his shed. Yeah, I look forward to it. Now, you know, in the in the as some sort of milestone, you're gonna have to do 
the podcast from the shed. For oh, some yeah. reason, I know insulation is a wonderful thing. It's come a long way. Uh, you somehow heat this thing. I still can't pick. Like it's been really cold here. I can't even. I can't even. How warm is it in this? And this is my final question for your Ted. This is the Q and A portion of your shed talk. Yeah, shed talk. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, it it's a good question. Today was absolutely murderously cold, uh-huh. and we have the and we have this fancy heater cooler thing. Um, that we kind of paid big bucks for that like is sort of, it's like green sort of amplifies existing heat in the air, but is only good to minus 30 or something. And at which point, like there isn't enough heat in the air for it to amplify. And, and so um, I yanked out this, um, the space heater and then uh, that we, that we have as well, just plugged it in and it was running it and and the other thing and then it was it was like it's super toasty it gets really nice in there and it feels so 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 nice that you forget how oppressively cold it is and because mike just did it the ins- it's probably better insulated than my house like the windows or everything is better and there's very little cold air that gets in except that it has this sliding glass door now and uh, and it does not have a toilet so I have to go to the bathroom and it turns out my bladder is perhaps the size of a peanut and uh, I have to go to the bathroom in my house. And now I'm just like, Oh, how much do I really have to go? Like I, I really, I really try. And today was so freezing. I, I open it, but because the space is like, it's like a, you know, a, a smallish room in a house, you open that sliding door and you get out as quick as possible. Try to put on your little booties, get out as quick as possible. But, and then you go go to the bathroom, you come back, you open the sliding door again. Both times you've let in like like nitrin, uh, liquid nitrogen level cold because of how cold it was today. And um, and, and yeah, but you're back to like wearing your jacket sitting at your desk. So waiting for it to heat up, waiting for it to heat up a little bit. But by and large, it was mostly pretty, pretty sweet. So uh, and yes, Milestone, I will do an episode of this show from the shed at one point. I also don't have blinds uh, at this point. So I just Ooh, imagine creepy. I've got all the, all these big windows um, and uh, I would have the lights on at night. And then all my neighbors would be looking down, seeing me animatedly talking into this mic and being like, what the hell is this guy doing? He's a, he's on a late night zoom call for, uh, for work. Well, that's, that's good. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to hearing more about your shed in the near future. Are you saying I should de- perhaps start my own one man podcast shed talk where I just like update my shed? I think every if week? we were to launch some sort of service that we could, you know, provide bonus content to awesome supportive listeners, then maybe at that stage you could do like some special um, dad minis, shed talks, you know, what have you. Uh, you could learn how to use Audacity. You could even send me the raw recording, and I'd even edit it for our listeners. Like, I, I have no problem with that. Um, I do an hour and a half solo show just talking about my shed. I'll consider I, it raw. I just uh, add an uh, intro and outro and call it a day. Like, I wouldn't <laughs> listen to it. But uh, <laughs> thank you, thank yeah. you, Ryan. I mean, I would listen to the first episode to see if I was mentioned. Um, yeah, I give you the timestamps. Yeah, thank you, thank you. All right, well, with that full circle nonsense, let's go into the dungeons and uh, talk about some fun stuff. Because here's the thing, um, our last episode, which were the daddies, uh, the first annual daddies, the first annual the daddies, uh, we got to get that don't right. Go- I think we call it. Don't yeah, Google that. Don't Google it. 
certainly don't use Ask Jeeves. I don't know if that's still a thing, but you shouldn't ask Jeeves about it. Um, you know, we've had a lot going on since we last uh, recorded a normal show, uh, which was episode 69. And uh, yeah, so like a lot's happened. I think that's pre-Christmas time. And, you know, we wanted to go over some of the fun stuff that's happened. Uh, my big thing since then that I'm still kind of buzzing about from the dungeon section and I and I apologize to Crofting because he hasn't been able to see it uh which is Spider-Man No Way Home um obviously this entire conversation is going to be spoiler free uh so you don't have to worry about that and really we're not going to spend a lot of time on it because I really think that once this movie becomes available uh, uh even as a digital premium rental um I'm pretty sure Crofton, you're going to run out, watch it, and then we're going to talk about it in all its spoilery goodness. Um, but I did go to see it in theaters, uh, which was kind of crazy. First time going to the theaters in in um, months even. And, and it felt weirder because when I went to see the Paw Patrol film over the summer, it was kind of in that, you know, in between waves of COVID where obviously still precautions were being taken, but it just felt safer. But you know, when I went to see Spider-Man No Way Home, we were like running right up against this fourth wave, I I believe. I've kind of lost count. Um, and, you know, it was certainly a little more, I wouldn't say harrowing. It's just like, it, it just, it feels less safe on paper. But honestly, it was, it was totally fine. Like, I've heard a lot of stories of people talking about going to see this movie in theaters and you know uh not mention like mentioning people not wearing masks people mentioning like no social distancing but like here in ontario specifically it had it was you know it was a you had to prove you were vaccinated so i did the whole qr scan thing worked great um you had to wear masks the entire time until you were in your seats and when you bought tickets it was you know they sold tickets socially distanced so when you bought a a, a section of tickets everywhere around you um, was blocked out for purchase. Uh, but here's the thing, like after I went and saw the, the mo- this movie, I think a week later, two weeks later, they shut down theaters uh, and they're still closed right now here in Ontario. I don't know if the recent announcement had, had changed that. Um, but yeah, though, I had a great time. It was, a, it was an awesome movie, an amazing movie, uh, lived up to at least my expectations going into it. It won a daddy. It did, yeah. I was trying to remember if we talked about it, but yeah, obviously it won a daddy because it was it's like the movie that came out last year that was that really uh, uh, you know was memorable in my mind. There wasn't a lot of movies uh, that I watched last year, uh, but but Crofton, like, um, have you? I'm curious, like, have you? Because we're gonna talk spoilers like down the road when you've seen it. And, you know, the theater window is getting smaller and smaller. I would imagine we're going to get this thing in our hands at home in February or early March. Uh, Have you remained spoiler free? Like, uh, have you seen any of the, like, I know what's going around. Like, people are starting to post. No, I've been spoiled. Oh, you have? That's too bad. Yeah. Not, not like, not, uh, I mean, like, I, I still don't know the, the nuts and the bolts of, but like the spoiler that pretty much everybody would we previously assumed and were well aware uh, uh, that was likely going to be a spoiler. I am, I am aware of, and that is honestly uh, because of um, like, I I went unspoiled for a long time and it was honestly due to, to, um, 
to to news headlines. Like it wasn't even like dumb heads on Twitter. It was like I went to websites like and, and, and like the second to lead article would be something that spoiled the movie. And I was and I get that they have like there's sort of news stories that they want to tell, um, you know. Uh, but but I, I I found it very frustrating. Like when it happened, I was just like, I don't don't get me wrong. I heavily suspect it. What was spoiled for me, I I was pretty much certain what was was going to happen. But still, I would have rather it not be spoiled. And here's the thing: I would totally have gone to see Spider Man No Man Home in theaters. I was like plotting ways to do it right up until the fact that Ontario shut down all its movie theaters. I literally cannot see it here. And Omicron is, you know, raging. Um, recently, a lot of things have been canceled in Ontario. They've just announced that they're heading towards the opening of the movie theaters. But I mean, by the time it opens, as you say, Ryan, it could be like heading to Disney Plus, like the Eternals just arrived. And it feels like that was in theaters the other day. That said, I think in Ontario specifically, when the movie theaters open, Spider-Man No Way Home should make a whole bunch more money because it wasn't near the end of its cycle. It's just that the movie theaters closed, right? Yeah. Uh, I would have gone to see it maybe more than once, who knows? But I, I didn't, I didn't even get that opportunity. Like I have no legal opportunity in which to see that film. I was like thinking like, should I try to pirate it? Um, because you know, I can't go to the movie theaters. I can't watch it on Disney plus. I can't do anything. Like I really want to see this movie and I have no way of doing it. Uh, and meanwhile, it's still airing in the, in the States, in other provinces, and everybody's still talking about it to the point that they feel like it's old news and they're comfortable sharing spoilers in their chat heading. So it, a little bit frustrating in that regard. That said, I still don't really know the plot of the film other than what was shown in the trailers. Now I'm aware of a big spoiler from later in the film, but I still don't really know how it how it unfolds. So like, there's still a lot to discover and experience for the first time when I do eventually see it. Yeah. I mean, if it, um, like in terms of availability, if, uh, so the way Sony has worked is basically they've got the, the guaranteed 45 day window, obviously with Spider-Man no way home making, uh, I think over a billion dollars now, uh, they, they might extend that window a bit, but if you look at venom too, you look at ghostbusters, even, um, ghostbusters came out late, um, I think late October, maybe early November, uh, and it and it became available for premium rental uh, near the end of of last year, so uh, just after Christmas. So you know, and Venom Two had even a shorter window. It was I think early October, and it was available for rent mid November. Like it was exactly forty five days. So I would imagine like you're looking at it's only been it's only been a month. So I would say you you know you'll start to see February. You'll be able to you know, rent it for 20 bucks if, if you want, and then wait a little bit longer and you might be able to even buy it for $20 to own, uh, or, or rent it for five bucks. But seriously, like, I think like the window is getting so short that, um, for movies, like you mentioned the Eternals, like even Ghostbusters Afterlife, uh, Venom 2 for me, I, I'm fine waiting those 45 days, like, especially now with everything going on, it's so busy and we have such, uh, a plethora of, of things to choose from to to enjoy our free time with. I feel like, you know, 45 days is is nothing. If it, But I felt like Spider-Man No Way Home was one of those things where, yeah, it's easily spoiled. And you're right. Like, after a week, two weeks, people kind of, you know... Um, it wasn't the people. That's what frustrated okay, yeah. me. It, it, was the, it was the outlets. That's mm -hmm. what... 
that's the what, like they're looking for the clicks looking for the clicks and you know uh, it's just i'm not saying that they don't need to have those articles they i but i really do think they could put uh, they could write the sub the 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 headings in ways that do not instantly spoil the movie you know like cuz there, there were a, some on some very big sites like IGN that that are like come on you know like you could have just written this in a different way you know and and uh yeah you know um but they they uh, they did not they did not no uh yeah Ryan, Ryan, uh, just because I, I know we're going to have a fulsome chat about Spider-Man No Way Home once I do see it, because I, I really look, I am looking forward to that. I did want to take a moment because I know you have the gamers in celebrating ten years. Congratulations! Thank um, you. That uh, and recently got to go over the big news of the week in video games. I did not. Uh, yes. So I, I do, I do want to just briefly talk about one one thing that uh, that's been on my mind and uh, which is the uh, that Microsoft uh, one of the biggest companies in the world uh, has made a purchase one of the biggest purchases ever uh, buying active in Activision Blizzard uh, long-standing video game company uh, and publisher uh, for like close to 70 billion dollars. Uh, one of the again, uh, not to repeat myself, but uh, one of the biggest purchases any in any sort of entertainment medium. Like I think Disney buying 20th Century Fox was more than that. But aside from that, there's almost no comparables. Um, and uh, yeah, like Ryan, uh, you know, I I haven't listened to your gamers in episode yet, but I am I'm planning on I'm planning on it. But like, did you want to give an abbreviated version of what your thoughts were when that news hit earlier this week? Um, well, it's funny because when the news hit, I was, I was behind on Twitter and I saw like, oh, the speculation post first and, I'm, and I posted it to the TGI discord and I'm like, wow, wouldn't this be fun for TGI 500? And then someone said like, no, yeah, they confirmed it. So I scrolled up a couple of tweets and like, oh yeah, literally the, the news was breaking, the, the news was being rumored and then it broke. And, um, we had a, a, a pretty, you know, we had a, a conversation on the gamers in about it where we were dealing with day one facts, uh, which was the purchase was going through and you, you really only had uh, tidbits from, you know, the PR side, but also there was stuff starting to come through like from the employee side and, and from, you know, behind the scenes dealings. And uh, that has continued to evolve over the last couple of days. But the thing is here, like you look at what's been going on in Activision Blizzard and you look at the situation with Bobby Kodak and, and what he wants to do in terms of he, he him needing to exit Activision Blizzard just due to all of the, you know, the sexual harassment and, and sexual uh, discrimination that's been going on there. Um, he, you know, he he gets to leave now with this big payday, right? Uh, which is unfortunate. But at the end of the day, if you look at the content and you look at what Microsoft is doing here purchasing activision blizzard it's kind of wild on many fronts you know like as a gamer it's hard not to to focus in on suddenly these franchises that have been existing on their own uh, like just from the blizzard side of things like you know not even looking at the call of duty and, and all that looking at blizzard and, and suddenly realizing like oh wow we're gonna see these properties maybe get you know um moved to a specific console now like xbox only and pc of course as well but 
you know, that, that conversation starts to happen where it's like suddenly all these games are on Game Pass. You know, there's talk of, um, you know, there's recent news about Call of Duty continuing to exist on the PlayStation, which I think makes sense. But at the end of the day, it's still going to be best on xbox because that's their platform like it doesn't make sense to spend 70 billion dollars and then not kind of like bring all of that content over to your own exclusive platforms right like it's well no i i agree with you and i don't in a weird way um and and the thing is is that like okay like this is it's beyond crazy the amount of money that, that was spent for this this uh studio and I think that us gamers like to think about these things in terms of like the console wars and like who's, you know, like as if, as if that, that Microsoft is competing with Sony and Penny Arcade put out a funny comic this week that pretty much was essentially saying, you know, like Microsoft is playing a different game and can just point the finger of God at anything at any time and just, just buy it. Like they could buy Sony wholesale no problem tomorrow. So, so like for for them, the way that they're thinking about it is clearly different. And their com- competitors that they're thinking about are the behemoths, the Apple, Google, um, Facebook. These are the ones that they're going after. They're not like Sony and Nintendo. Like they're they're not even on their they're not on even on the radar. And yeah, Game Pass beefing it up. Like that's going to be a big big play. But this is part of like sort of a larger movement to when Phil uh, Spencer was out there saying, Oh, we're going to put games everywhere. Like all of a sudden, like your Xbox games are on steam or like your, or, or it, you don't need an Xbox. You can just start streaming. You got game pass. You can start streaming them on your phone. I'm like, what is this dude doing? He's giving away the house. Like we don't have to buy the Xbox anymore. But the, the reality is that he's a zillion miles ahead. Like as all these companies are talking metaversing this and that, they're they're just they're just shoring up their assets. And um, I uh, I'm I'll be honest, I'm super excited about this. And uh, the main reason I'm excited about it. Is, is everybody thinks about these things, these big purchases, in ways that they can relate or understand or, or, or whatever. Like, I essentially do not care much about Activision's uh, existing portfolio of products. I'm not a Call of Duty player. I pretty much dislike all Blizzard games. Um, you know, like, it's... It, it's really like there's not much on 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 their on their ledger that you know Candy Crush whatever I does that resonates with me. I know that there's a ton of passionate fans out there, right? But they do have Activision has been sitting on a lot of intellectual property. They own a lot of things that they just don't even use, and. Um, and, and the way that they operate, and Blizzard fans have had to suffer for this, is that they need they they want regular annual releases of triple A product, and um, they're forcing studios to adjust to that. But Jeff Keeley, of all people, the um, Games Awards guy, uh, tweeted something, and it got me excited. Which was I didn't know this, but Jeff Keeley, I guess, had been a, a beta tester for Sierra. On, on this game, Freddy Farkas Frontier Pharmacist that I played uh, when I was a kid. Um, one of many Sierra adventure games that I played. It opens with a ballad that I can sing word for word to this day. Um, but uh, but so J- Jeff Keeley's like, 
they're sitting on gold with Freddie Farkas, Frontier Pharmacist. Um, but uh, but there is a lot of Sierra games uh, that I loved when I was a kid, like just absolutely loved and still love to this day. Um, and Phil, Phil uh, Spencer has gone in interviews saying like, there's a ton of properties, Activision properties, and he name dropped Guitar Hero. He name dropped King's Quest, which is one of the main Sierra games. He name dropped Hexen, which is Heretic and Hexen were games, a uh, spinoff of Dooms that I played back when that had more medieval theme. All that I loved and that Activision's done jack with because it doesn't fit their business model. But Game Pass and the way... My, Xbox works, man, they're going to start pumping that stuff out. They're going to have different sized games. Not everything's going to have to be a giant thing. It's more like a steady flow of content. Um, they might be adapted or put in different places. They may resuscitate old old um, games and just like, you know, redo them, uh, bring bands back together. Like, I don't know. I just see opportunity. I know it's a giant corporate monolith. I know that yeah. a lot can go wrong, but I, I guess like maybe I'm drinking Phil Spencer's Kool-Aid too, but he's, that dude seems to know his shit and, and seems to be like on the right side of almost every issue. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic because to be clear before this purchase, Activision, it was a detestable country, co company, not just for its sexual harassment uh, stuff, but also uh, Bobby Kotick, its his CEO, was like the biggest villain in gaming for many years mm -hmm. uh, beyond the sexual harassment stuff, just in the way that he conducted business. And uh, yeah, he may get a golden parachute, whatever. That's going to suck. He was always going to get uh, like it, he yeah. was never going to walk away with with. Uh, with even a slap on the wrist he was it was designed from the start when he walked away from activision blizzard he was going to get millions of dollars and i mean as shitty as it and it sucks it's it's terrible but yeah. like that's the way they set it up and i mean i'm not saying i agree with you i think uh phil spencer is is great for this industry he he doesn't think about you know platform wars like he he talked today about chatting with you know uh the team at sony like he works they work very closely with nintendo i mean nintendo literally just launched as we were recording this a rare game on their paid service uh, it was an n64 game but it is an, an n64 game that the rights technically belong to microsoft they had to work together to put that out so i believe phil spencer is great for this industry and i think him look i i know why they bought activision blizzard they they saw an opportunity they need, you know, Kotick needed to sell because there's no way the shareholders were going to let, you know, an, an opportunity like this, you know, be passed up because, you know, I don't think the reputation of Activision Blizzard was, was getting, it was never going to get better. I feel like this was, uh, they saw a way out and Microsoft needs content and, and they picked it up, but you're absolutely right. I think this will be great for, I agree with you. Like I'm not big on the Activision side of things. I, I am a Blizzard. I was a person who played a lot of blizzard games and i think where blizzard kind of lost its way is that they they were doing the activision thing because they're part of activision they're focusing on what is making us millions of dollars not just like a lot of companies they focus on making a game and they move on they make a game move on like they they don't need to be billion dollar sellers every time and i think under microsoft as funny as it is to say you look at um Double Fine, that purchase. They bought Double Fine, and That's Double Fine point. made Psychonauts 2. And what do you think they're yeah. going to do next? They're going to make another Double Fine game, and it's not going to be a billion-dollar seller, but Microsoft yeah, doesn't yeah. care. 
that's a good point, man. I had not thought about double fine because it's not even a reach. Like it's it's yeah, it's been a while now, and uh, and they, they they've been given the you know the independence that they need and like they've earned the trust that they have it's a very good point yeah. um so yeah I, I i guess like all to say like everyone's going to be keeping an eye on this it's a huge like groundswell thing uh and i i have no doubt that you guys went into detail and the gamers in um on it but i just wanted to say like that for for like i wanted to acknowledge that man it, it was it was a big it took a big part of my mind share this week just thinking about it and, and what it means, and I mean, like, I think Scott Johnson tweeted out something about how, because I guess Bobby Kotick in kind of a desperation move when Microsoft was going to buy, courted Meta slash Facebook to try to get them to buy them. Because there's only so many companies that could possibly... Well, because he wanted more money. Like, this is the thing. He's looking for the biggest deal, right? Like this is this is the problem with with what's gone down. I I think that like I agree with you. I to a certain extent, but I I, I do think that that um like Bobby Kotick has an uh, already an obscene amount of money. I don't think money was his big like I don't think money was the the be all end all for him here. It's partly legacy. Like he wants. It, I, I think that he. There, probably his rationale would be like if Facebook bought them, there's a chance that he could stick around uh, and run Activision because uh, like Facebook might not have. Whereas, whereas if if Microsoft buys them, he's gone. They have their game. Phil Spencer and company. They are they already knew that Phil had already spoken out about like the about what was going on in Activision. He was for sure gone. So in terms of securing his legacy, the better bet is buying is is Facebook buying them. But but uh, it you know. It didn't. It didn't happen. And Scott tweeted uh, at the time saying, "Like I would feel very different about this purchase if Facebook made it." And I recognize that 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 like these are giant corporate monoliths throwing billions of dollars around. And and yet here I am today telling you, "Wow, this is great news. I'm excited about this." And why? It's because of trust, I guess, that I have in one giant corporate monolith based on one of their personalities at the top that could change any day. And I got to say, like, at, at the end of the day, it's like a giant corporate thing coming together that is almost scary in its size in the video game space. And I don't know how I really, if I actually think that that's a positive. The reason I feel positive is because of the personalities on the Xbox and Microsoft side that I trust and and, and and the selfish is like I have an Xbox Series X, right? That's the console I have this generation so far. I have Game Pass for the next couple of years. I'm like, oh, this is good for Crofton. Maybe they'll bring back Quest for Glory, you know? Like, but I mean, at the at this at the same point, like I have to looking through my bias and all this, I have to recognize that like uh, it's still one giant company buying another giant company. And, and, and there's a lot of people who are going to be affected here and we're going to have to see how it plays out, but definitely super interesting. And I can't think of a bigger video game news story that's going to happen this year. And because I love video games so much, I definitely wanted to talk about it a little bit on the show. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, uh, before we move on, I, I think the layoffs thing is something that has come up a, a lot when it comes to acquisitions. Like you look at when Disney bought, 20th Century Fox, there was eventually news uh, of of shutdowns and whole departments being shuttered. And um, I think when you look at the studios that Microsoft has bought so far, there hasn't been a lot of that. They've kind of left it all 
to kind of operate. They've moved, I'm sure they've moved people around in terms of, you know, to fix redundancies and stuff. The The biggest acquisition being for Microsoft uh, before this being uh, ZeniMax. Um, I don't remember seeing much of news of, of layoffs. Um, I think it was kind of just a, it, it, they just, they, they moved them under, under Microsoft. Again, like it wasn't mass layoffs. But then you look at Activision Blizzard and, and you you do see a lot of redundancies like the Battle.net team, um, you know, that there's a lot of redundancy there, but there are good people who work there. And I, I think you're right. Like, call me, call us naive, but I think Phil Spencer, he's got a, a good head on his shoulders. And I think that, um, you know, until we see the news of, of there being mass layoffs, like I would fully expect... You know, Bobby Kodak to to play the role of villain before the purchase goes through in terms of Well, he he's gonna you know. be laid off. And yeah. so is his whole hand picked board of friends. Yeah. That board is so corrupt. They're all gonna be laid off. But you're right, there there's definitely redundancies and things that are gonna happen and, and yeah, like I just hope that, that we don't like it doesn't come to that. I know with a bigger purchase there are gonna be more redundancies and, and this is a big one. But really, like when you look at development studios, um that's what Microsoft's looking for. They're looking for developers. They're looking for studios. And uh, there's a lot of those studios there. And uh, I I hope there won't be a bunch of layoffs. Like, I know it's it's inevitable when it comes to big companies buying big companies. But, I mean, I think you look at Microsoft's track record, and it's been pretty solid so far with acquisitions. And I know video game acquisitions have not always been great. But I think Microsoft has owned up to their mistakes when it comes to video game acquisitions and I think with Zenimax, we have to look at the last big, biggest example and, and assume that, you know, that's the way they're going to move forward with this. And, but the, the thing is, too, is like they're this time they're buying damaged goods, right? They're buying something that is like it's been all over the news based on all the scandal and, and, and things that are going on there. So they're going to have to do some significant cleaning up and trust building with staff. And that may mean refraining from laying off rank and file, but laying off people at a more senior level. I, I think that that's for sure what's going to happen in the short term uh, as to the longer term. I don't know. One thing when you were t- kept saying um, uh, Zenimax, it did make me think about uh, Bethesda and how there's like nothing stopping Microsoft at this point from having Bethesda make a Warcraft game, you know, um, like the, all these, in, there's no reason they need to keep up their silos. Like they have all this intellectual property and all these studios, Raven software, whatever, like you could just be like, okay, you're going to make this, you know, uh, the next doom game is being made by blizzard. You know, like you could do that. Um, it's just, uh, I'm not saying that they will at least immediately, but they have all these, this IP and all these studios. There's no necessary reason why they would have to have the same studios work on the same IP. So it will be very interesting to see where they go five, 10 years from now, you know? Um, so yeah, I know cool stuff. Uh, exciting. Even for, even in the interest of like something different, I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty cool. Now, Ryan, back to the show. Um, <laughs> that wasn't the show? Oh, that was a big section of not the show. <laughs> that was a big section of not the show. Okay, I want to talk about something. Uh, uh, and, uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to take off my – because that went, went long, I'm going to take off something here. But I do want to talk about something. Uh, it's a game that I had absolutely zero interest in. And I went from zero to like 150 uh, percent, 
and I give, I give full credit to my friend Bo Schwartz who twisted my arm uh, about this game. So as you know, it, and our listeners know, pandemic sucks. Can't do board games with your friends. At least like, you know, there's, there's ways you can do virtual stuff, but we've been playing video games online and we've been looking for like co-op experiences. I mentioned Sea of Thieves a lot on the show. That was our last one. Divinity, Original Sin, there's For the King. Uh, even No Man's Sky co-op. We found a lot of good ones um, and stuff that I hadn't really considered before. But this new one, uh, or the the one that we're playing now, came out last year. It's still ostensibly in early access, and the name of the game is Valheim. Have you ever heard and or played this game, Ryan? No. I Well, I've heard of it. I have not played it. Um, it's one of those... It's one of those games that... Uh, I think Jocelyn played it, and it's... I'm not a big multiplayer crafting you know survival sim make your own fun um it it sounds perfect for your game nights of course like but um dude i am not that guy either like zero like i was bo was sharing these screenshots and one of them was like of an open inventory with like 15 different resources in it and i was like this looks like not not my jam at all right and um uh, you know, I'm, I haven't played many of these survival games, but I, I I dinked around with Minecraft for a while, and it was just like this is it was it almost felt like too much for me, and I was like, what it what is this? Um, and uh, and so yeah, um, I expected to fully not like it, but that said, part of doing stuff with your friends is being like, you know what, I'm willing to put my biases at the door and and see what we got here, and uh, so. What, what is the game? The game is uh, you play, I guess, it's Viking-themed-ish. Like you play kind of like these these Vikings. For me, they look just like kind of any sort of tattered middle-aged slash adventurers. Um, and you're dropped into this world and you have to kill uh, or defeat, I think, I don't know, four or five bosses. That's the game. And you start in the middle of these stones. They tell you where the first boss is. And then the the others, you have to find sort of like where they are in the world, and then you, you've got to defeat them. So that's the, the core of the game. And each boss is in a different biome, like environment, right? The first one is the meadows, there's the black forest, and then there's swamp and the mountains, and like there's different different ones. Each one has a boss in it. you got to defeat the boss. So that's, that's the idea of the game. Um, and then you, you start, you're in like got barely any clothes on, or whatever, and you've got to like pick up stuff and and build things and like build a like set up camp, build a fire, um, and uh, you know get resources and then explore, go on adventures, discover the world until you're able to get to a spot where your guy is got some gear and then you're able to take on the boss and then you take on the boss you beat a boss you get a special power often for beating the boss maybe you get an item that allows you to craft a tool that allows you to do something you weren't able to do before like dig or build a boat or something i don't know so uh so that's the core concept of the game uh, so it's like a survival game but it also has this objective in which you're trying to defeat these bosses which i like because i don't like not having an objective i like being guided in some way and then uh but but it is it works so well with friends because you can have up to 10 people on the same server like a, and the world has to be saved on on one computer problem is it's saved on bo's computer so we need him to play like in, in 
in, in our world. We're like, Bo, can you start the start the Valheim game so we can play? Um, but but um, but yeah, it's, it's super, it, both exciting and relaxing. And it feels like when somebody first told me about MMOs when I was younger. And, and they pitched what an MO, yeah, everyone's going to be a real person and there's going to be monsters and you're going to be able to do all this stuff. And I was so excited. And then I played an MMO where everybody is going to be a hero. And it just kind of like, it felt like kind of a shell of a world. Like I was disappointed based on what my mental expectations were. Well, Valheim feels very much more like, like, you know, you're the small posse of people uh, and it's your friend. In my case, it's your friends. But even playing solo, I can see. I can definitely see the appeal. Everything would be slower, but you can do it. And then it's like you, there's different tasks that you can do. Bo likes calling it like uh, I think he calls it chore core. Like uh, like the idea that you're always there's all these little chores that you got to feed the boars or build the whatever or what. And yes, there is something that is kind of fun about doing these things in this virtual space. But then there's also like you need some you need to go off and explore and the map is randomly generated, but it looks awesome. Like you're going out, there's troll caves, you get troll skin, you can build this thing. Oh, and there's never the resources aren't all dumped on you at once. They just kind of unfold over time. And so we ended up in this weird sort of routine where I was the hunter gatherer. I would go off at the beginning of a day because at night it gets scary and it's it's you all the players should go to bed at the same time to go to the next day i would go off on an adventure uh with my my gear and i would explore a different place and i would like i would find some treasure go down into a cave fight some skeletons get some stuff bring it back meanwhile uh bo would go out and chop wood and fill up a cart full of wood and bring it back and get resources. And Mike would do construction around the farm, set up the house and all of this. And so we're like playing the game in parallel. And then I would come back from my adventures in the forest at the end of the day. And I would see the house would be a little bit bigger and Bo would be unloading his wood. And like, then we would, we would all like, you know, like we all have to go to bed at the same time and you get a certain amount of bonuses uh, depending on how comfortable your home is. So Mike's like trying to make it more comfortable. And then the next day we, we all have our sort of our own separate plans and we're all chatting the whole time. And then finally, every once in a while, there's a big thing, be it fight the boss or like recently we did an ore run where we had to find copper. And so the three of us were pulling these carts into the forest and and like like mining copper. And it was really, really fun um, uh, because we would get attacked while we would do it. And I would hold them off and different things. So it's really, really uh, an, a, an awesome experience that I didn't expect to, to like. And I think the core of what makes it so great is it just feels soothing. And part of that is the graphical style, which uses a voxel type style. It's like PlayStation 1 graphics almost done in a fancy way with beautiful lighting. Um, it's hard to put into words, but when you see it in action, it looks really nice. And you're able, like, I'm able to pump up the resolution really great on my screen. So we've had a few play se sessions of the game. And uh, Bo has put a ton of time, ton of time into it. I can't bring myself to play my own game because then I would have to redo a lot of the shit that we've already done. Uh, because you know you got to. There's a lot of busy work, and I, I'm not interested in doing the things I don't like. That's what Mike's there for. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, it's a, it's it's really it's really a, a cool game, Valheim, and it's also like it's polished. Like there, yeah, there's some wonkiness to it, but it's like early access. I think of it as a certain way, but this is not an early access game. Like it is a done game. They can just say it's done and say they're still building on it. And it's like twenty bucks or something uh, for the amount of the cost of value and fun. Really really fun game i'd say definitely you'd want to play with your friends if you can but even worth worth testing on solo so and it to my knowledge i think it's only available on steam Uh, i don't know if it's anywhere else but that's where the early access is yeah i think it's only on steam um it's funny because uh it's i think it released just a year ago pretty much to to the day uh yeah february 2nd 2021 i remember the conversation um you know between joss and i because she had picked it up to play it and and the the craziest thing about it is that when you look at screenshots a lot of the screenshots are kind of from far away and it kind of looks like oh it looks like a pretty awesome game but you know it's weird the art style like when you get up close it's kind of um i think you said it it's kind of like voxel based so when you get up close it's like it kind of looks really pixelated but it's just the way it's designed it's really neat and yeah, as you said, it's only like twenty-two bucks Canadian, so it's probably like a like a cup of coffee in, in the states there. But um, it's made by uh, Coffee Stain uh, uh, Studios, which um, sorry, no, the, the publisher. So Coffee Stain Publishing, which are like this this great team uh, team of um, publishers that they made some games that I loved back in the day. Uh, they did some tower defense games that I really enjoyed, and so much so that I can't remember. <laughs> their names um but yeah i think that uh i i think it's really it's really awesome that you're playing it and i think it would be um oh sanctum that's the one sanctum uh are the are the tower defense games but uh yeah no i i feel like that one is one that i should check out at some point um and uh and join you guys even to play for one or two sessions i think i get my money's worth for 20 bucks that'd be pretty cool although i am trying to trying to cut back on on buying video games because I, I think i've got a good list i'm not even going to rhyme them off here uh, all the ones that i've i've picked up since uh, even black friday things that have just been piling up but i i kind of went a bit overboard with sales and and christmas lists did you really because i find that because ever since the game pass stuff i just am like well i got all these games on game pass and like i did get some for christmas but yeah. like i mean i i haven't even looked at like i I bought Valheim because we were going to play it, but I haven't even looked at like, I know Steam's had like multiple sales and stuff. What, like, I guess what incentivizes you, like you have game pass. I know. Here's the thing. Uh, Game pass is great. It does not have everything. Um, Although uh, it does get things that I have purchased. So like I bought, um, so I wanted to buy inscription, right? Uh, Which is a steam game. It's the developer digital game. And um, there was another game I was interested in called Death's Door, and there was like a bundle deal on Steam in the in the winter. This is just one example of of my spending habits. Uh, so I picked up the bundle, and I I've, I've been enjoying both games, but like I've really only been able to chip away at both of them. I've I've put a good chunk into Inscription. Uh, I got into into part two of that game, and I, I kind of fell off it a little bit because it it's pretty much a it's kind of a jarring switch, but. Uh, yeah, but Death's Door is now on Game Pass. So, like, you're right. Like, there are some experiences where if you wait long enough, they'll come to Game Pass. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I guess I just, I always want to, so it's it's twofold. I always want to be able to play 
you know, I, I want to play a good, I always want to play the, the great games, the games that, you know, even if they get some amount of praise, like not all the praise, but some like guardians of the galaxy is a great example. Not like a game that got like a ton of praise in, at launch, but it certainly got like sections of praise. Like, oh, the narrative is really good. I find that Inscription's a great example. Guardians of the Galaxy, you would have played that. That's not a good example at all. You would have played anything that's just Marvel on it like eight times over. Yes. Okay. Well, then you put it like that, and you put me in a in a Marvel corner. Sure. Absolutely. You're absolutely. You're not wrong there. Um, but yeah, Inscription's a great example of like a game that it was just, it was all over the game of the year stuff. And I'm like, okay, I have to play it. And rightfully so it's fantastic. It's amazing. Um, but I guess, like I said, it's twofold. It's like, I, I'm always wanting to try games that, that, uh, that get a, a good response. Um, and also I can't ignore, uh, a, like a, I, I'm terrible at ignoring a sale, um, I just, I'm not good at it. Uh, I have no self-control when it comes to, to buying games on sale. Like, um, but I enjoy all the games that I buy. So I think like I, I've, do you play them all? Well, I play them all. Do I, do I a hundred percent them all? Absolutely not. Like I'm, I wasn't going to a hundred percent. If I bought one game, you know, then maybe sure I'd be able to a hundred percent it. But like, that's never been me ever since I had more money than time, I guess. But so like, look, no, that's not what I mean. Like I, I remember what it's like chasing the steam dragon. I used to, I used to do it all the time as well. But I, and and I know that Bo does as well. But we would buy these games and we don't play them. Um, is the thing. And uh, like you'd buy, you know, like there'd be humble bundle packages. You get a bunch of games. You, you would, you would all of a sudden like, oh, I'm gonna buy this on Steam. It's cheap. I'm gonna play it at one point. But then I wouldn't. I would legitimately like. I have my Steam library is still to this day full of games I have not played one time, but I've paid money for. So my question to you is, all these games that you're buying, are you playing all of them? at all or are there some that you're just buying and that are just sitting no uh well uh, yeah okay Uh, i can't lie like i bought enough of them that some of them are still they're installed they haven't been played yet like i think one of them was uh uh phoenix immortals rising it was like 20 bucks on amazon it was like a a deal on the playstation 5 i was like oh i'll pick that one up like i had already put some time into it with uh uplay plus so i ported my save over from the pc and i'll get to it but like that's one example where I have not played it since purchasing it, but all the, I think everything else um, outside of 13 Sentinels that was on a Christmas list. Uh, But I am waiting for a good reason. We're going to do a game club for gamers in. So I wanted to pick that one up while it was on sale. Um, But no, I use, I do the same. I used to do the same thing where I would like, uh, I would buy stuff just because it's on sale on the steam. Steam sales are a great example. The Epic game sales, uh, another good one. Cause now they usually give like a $10 coupon. Um, but what I do now is I always like, okay, am I going to play a significant chunk of this game before it goes on sale again? And if I feel as though I'm not going to, I just, I, I wait to the next sale. And I've had games where I just do that a couple times and eventually it ends up on Game Pass or as part of a Humble Bundle. Um, but in this case, I was I had managed to pretty much check out all the games I've bought. I have not finished them by any means. But uh, I've played a good chunk of them to to be satisfied with uh, at least my initial investment in them. But yeah, like I'm, I usually make a list. Like I'll make a list of games so I don't f- forget what I'm trying to uh, keep tabs on. Um, I have to I have to sort of like micromanage a little bit, which does not sound fun, I know. But um, 
I just, I really like playing video games and I, I like, you know, having a varied experience, but, uh, I, I, yeah, I have to, I have to list them out. It is, I admit it's bad. I went a little overboard over Christmas, uh, which means it'll be a lighter spring. I feel like, you know, uh, in terms of upcoming releases, really the only thing I plan on buying new is, is the new horizon in February. Um, after that, there really isn't anything that jumps into my mind. So, uh, plenty of time to <laughs> catch up, um, but I'd say my favorite—I'd uh, say my favorite purchase from over Christmas was Returnal on the PlayStation Five. They uh, Ashley got me the headset for the PlayStation Five, which is the new 3D audio stuff, and I picked up Returnal. And they added like the suspend cycle because it is a—it's kind of like a—it's a roguelite similar to uh, Hades and whatnot, but it's like a triple A you know, uh, next generation experience roguelite. And it is phenomenal. It has been a lot of fun. So I just, I just step in here to say that Returnal is the only PlayStation five game. Like I don't have a PlayStation five that is like made me, um, what is it? I guess jealous, like just want to have one to play. I like, love roguelikes. I love the look of that game. Uh, I know people talked about how long it took before the suspense date, but I was, I was stoked to, to play it. So I I'm glad to hear. And honestly, Ryan, when we talked about it before, and I think even in the cameras in, you would talk about that game and you'd be like, yeah, it didn't like the promo or the marketing didn't grab you. Like you were day one for ratchet and clank, you know? And then this, this game, you were like, uh, whereas I was, I think I pushed back on you at the time. I was like, dude, I would have been day one for, so I'm glad to be somewhat vindicated and know that you actually, that, that it is a good one. But I feel like I, it, for me, it's not just that it looks like a good game. It looks like it's my jam, like my my personal. I like roguelikes. I like sci-fi. I like Metroid type stuff. It. Um. I like action. Uh. Like it, I, I like nice graphics. Appears it appears to be checking all the boxes. Yeah. No. I. I think. Uh. You know. Looking back, I think Ratchet and Clank was the safer bet for me, and and I am glad that I waited for the suspend cycle that they added. They patched in because those runs in Returnal are long. And if my PlayStation were to decide to update the game or update the software of the, of the console and, and wipe that that run, I, I'd be pretty upset. Like, again, like some runs, you can't even finish a run in an evening of, if you have an hour to play, you might not finish a good run in an hour or die in, a, in in that hour and then you lose all that progress. So the suspend cycle works amazing. And, and like I said, like I'll be chipping away at these games over the next couple months as we wait for... Uh, the inevitable, um, you know, everyone keeps talking about February, having like a bunch of games come out, but really like the only one that's kind of jumping out at me is Horizon, which I'm super happy about because really, um, you know, new games are super expensive. I think Horizon's like a $90 game before tax. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but I, I did want to quickly mention, I picked up Resident Evil 4 VR. I'm not going to talk much about it right now because I, I do have to get back to it but i gotta say crofton you're absolutely right about that experience they have masterfully brought over resident evil 4 and brought it into vr and and made a, a it's it is not just see the thing is when you hear about a, another resident evil 4 you know port this isn't a port this is like a vr game that they made with a with with resident evil 4 as like the basis and and it uh it works so well and it's and it's fun too and it's and it's it's simple like the mechan the vr mechanics are 
simplified. Like they don't like really make it super complex, similar to, uh, you know, Half-Life Alex or something. It just feels, it feels like I'm having fun because they're not trying to make it yeah. so complex. I love that. That's a really good way of putting it. It is like the, the, the re because the reloading is it is a new mechanic that you don't have to do in the console versions right like you hit a button and leon reloads uh, whereas in the vr version you're manually doing it and they could like half-life alex they they added one level of complexity to like in half-life alex you could it you could you know if you were panicking reloading you could drop your clip and it could fall on the ground and that is really neat for emergent immersion and stuff like it's cool but it's also like you know, just one more thing. Whereas, you know, the Resident Evil 4 kind of just said, like, what's fun? And let's go with that, right? Um, and I don't know about you, Ryan. I'm I actually curious about this. The quick hit, like, I was going to talk, uh, aside from Valheim, about I, I got one, one game that I'm very near the end of is Resident Evil Village. I, I'm playing Resident Evil 8 right now on my Xbox Series X. has really, you know, nice graphics. I'm playing it on a big TV. I am playing it after having played Resident Evil 4 VR. And um, it's just like, and, and I'm not saying Resident Evil 8 is not scary. It is scary. Uh, but it just really is not doing it for me in terms of fear. Um, Resident Evil 4 VR would scare the shit out of me because enemies are really close to you and you see them and, and like some of the bosses are bigger monsters and you may not be there yet, but like some of them, I would know is coming because I, I have played the game enough and the game is easier. Like as you get good, like you can, it's, it's actually, they're not that deadly, but like just having, and they're worse graphics, but they're right in your face. And so like some of these spooky monsters were making me uh, like much more scared. Uh, the dogs in the hedge maze in the castle, holy shit, much scarier than anything from resident evil eight. And that game is, obviously much more graphically impressive but i'm sitting on my couch looking at a tv so you know yeah. it's different yeah for sure no i i uh i need to get back to it i i will be honest like um i haven't played a lot of vr since uh since christmas just with you know having a having to uh, be watching over a full house and as i said i, I wear glasses um and i won't get into into the whole story but i had like broken glasses for the longest time so i was wearing all my contacts during the day so i wouldn't be like constantly uh be blind while working and um and then having to wear contacts at night too and just having my eyes kill me because my glasses were so messed up but i'm i'm looking forward to getting back to it i i think that um yeah after your discussion and looking into reviews a little bit just to make sure you weren't like leading me down some wild windy path uh you were right it's really good it's solid and it's worth um i mean if you if you are an active oculus user you you get the emails like every quarter i i just got another i just got another one from meta it was like 30 percent off code and then like two days later it was another 14 dollar coupon so no i yeah i know you can always and i i used to coupon in it as well but i'm more than comfortable saying if you're going to spend yes. full price on any vr game this is the one to do it and uh to do it on and i i will say like i feel like it was undersold not undersold but under appreciated because it was a port of an older game i think or adaptation of an older game but last year it was not given its just dues i think at the end of the year uh because uh, again like 
people are not so many people have experienced it but my understanding is that the quest 2 has sold bonkers over the holiday season um and so it's very possible that people are getting into it this year if you're opening a quest 2 vr for me it's it's a just absolute no-brainer of a get if you haven't played resident Evil 4 you'll have a great time but if you have played it it will it will be an amazing time as well it's like a different way of appreciate it's like being in your favorite medium you know like yeah. it's like jumping into your favorite movie and being in it yeah i, I love it so much hundred percent so when i get back to it we'll talk more about it um for sure because i feel like it's going to be a dungeons and diapers game for sure well um let's head into the diapers speaking of dungeons and diapers uh you know it's been a while uh we like i said we did have the daddies you know don't don't um don't uh don't use does yahoo still have a search engine i don't think so what did they even yeah oh yeah yeah i'm sure it does yahoo search yeah yeah yeah. so don't 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 yahoo it don't do that um but do stick around for the diaper section because we have a lot to talk about um i i mean are we are we going to commercial oh are we oh yeah yeah. i don't know do we have i don't know you're making it sound that way here i'll do the ad read okay go ahead do you ever find that your your buttocks muscles oh. clench a little too tightly? Are you, are you that age that, that you feel that you may need some witch hazel? Witchhazel.com. Don't, for go, all your witch, don't go to, don't go to witch for hazel. All, for all your witch hazel needs. And now, back to the show. Anyways, so we're back. Uh, yeah, so christmas we had a big big it's hard to think of that we had a christmas vacation with the schools closing down it feels like forever ago um our chris i I don't know if we talked about it i know we probably talked about it off air but our christmas kind of got like we had christmas day and then we had uh like a COVID scare so we kind of like went back into uh isolation none of us in the immediate family didn't have have COVID, but it was just one of those things where we had one dinner and then we kind of stuck to our house after that. And, but the kids enjoyed it. We had a great time. Um, one of my, you know, favorite moments from the whole thing is, you know, our kids sleep like babies and, or, or, well, they, they sleep like rocks, I guess. When you put them down, they're usually down, especially until like maybe, you know, the middle of the night, you know, some random occurrence where they wake up. But, um, Christmas Eve, Ashley and I got all the gifts together. We had everything ready and we're like, okay, let's go watch a TV show before we go to bed. And we hear rumbling upstairs. Um, It turns out that Abigail had woken up and had walked past the tree with all the gifts from Santa and downstairs to see what we were doing. And she was, she was out of it. She was half asleep. She doesn't remember coming down, but we were just like, oh shit of all days for her to come down, walk past the tree um, with, with like, we have these like, um, these these uh the big these sacks that we we put the the toys in from santa to sort of di- differentiate them from the gifts we've wrapped and uh so it's they should you know the lore of it all like the 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 bag shouldn't be there yet because santa comes when we're all sleeping um so she just walked right past them and i, I don't think she remembered but it was it was one of those moments where like of course the only the one day she's gonna wake up and walk by all these gifts but like you know, Isabel's old enough to open gifts. We had a great time. Like everyone had a really good uh, Christmas morning. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Um, it was a weird Christmas, eh? And uh, I, I know, like we, for us, we had to, 
we had to nix plans to see uh, my wife's dad um, because of Omicron and that sort of thing. Um, it, it, it did lead to us being extremely generous with presents this year and Santa. So we had... Uh, we ended up being at home, but it was kind of fun because we had all these presents and we didn't open them all at once because like the kids got quite a bit. You know, we did the Santa ones and then our ones and then my brother's ones like throughout the day. So there was always kind of new new things happening. And I felt bad for them being kind of spoiled this year. But at the same point, man, it's been a shitty year. So like, wh why the hell not? Yeah. Um, you know, so the some of the... Some of the stuff, like I got Mario Kart Live, which is uh, for those of you who don't uh, don't aren't fully Nintendo nerds, like Ryan, um, is like Mario Kart is video game, but Mario Kart Live is like this little remote control car that you get in your house that's sort of connected to a video game. So you like drive the car around and you can set up your own kind of track and like gates and stuff, and then you're you're playing kind of a video game on your console but the car is actually moving around your house it's got a camera attached to it so you can kind of see where it's going uh and man if i was a kid i would have loved this thing so much like it is it's like it's like the best remote control car you can have because of the camera you can go under things and like still see where it's going it's so fun but the problem with it or the not the problem. Uh, I, I don't know. Problem is too big. A, a, people have said it. It requires a, a good amount of space. I luckily have that space, so that's not necessarily the issue. The problem is the three-year-old, uh, because you know the seven-year-old is really into it. It's like, hey, let's let's set up a course and like we can you can set up your own jumps or just do different things. There's all sorts of cool stuff you can do, but the three-year-old is like. I'm going to pick up these gates. I'm going to chase the car. Yeah, I'm going to block the car. I'm going to block the car with my foot. So like it's kind of, I'm not that it's been a, a dud because we have used it a bunch, but we have never like, there's a whole game in there where you can do different races on different tracks. And we have yet to do it really once uh, like in any significant way um, because of the three-year-old. So uh yeah. Anyway, tomorrow's a PD day. Maybe things will change. And another, and another, sort of the biggest hit or big surprise hit is we got a board game for the seven-year-old, uh, Settlers of Catan Junior, or just Catan Junior. Have you ever played Ryan the Settlers of Catan, either adult or junior? I uh, yeah yeah man. Settlers of Catan was a big uh, play in university. You know, sheep for wood, wood for sheep, that sort of thing. Ha ha ha. Um, yeah, it was a big deal. We played it a lot. Um, me and the uh, the roommates back in university, and uh, I think we had some of the expansions too. Like you know, we we we'd go all weekends where we would play like one game. And uh, man, I haven't played in a long time. Oh, how is the junior version? I I feel like uh, Caden's getting to the age where. You know, we're we're getting there where he he loves to play board games. Like we've been playing a card game. I'll probably talk about it next episode. Um, but yeah, how is it with uh, with the, your seven year old? Yeah, it's the absolute best. And like, if you do a list of like top, you know, games for kids and or top adaptations for kids, like it's it's always like at the top of the list. It turns it into like you know your your pirates and your. You're taking over these islands and setting up pirate fortresses and you've got to build. 
boats and fortresses and there's the, the they've taken the amount of resources down to um four or five resources and um uh and yeah it's just so good and it is just um the big thing though is that my daughter absolutely adores it and she she's like i'm not even going easier on her man she is she is cleaning my clock i would say her win record against me is two out of three times she beats me and she beats my my wife almost three out of three like she's like very and i just think there's a lot of luck to it but somehow she manages to always kind of come out on top she's really good and gets a big even when she loses she enjoys it, wants to play again right away. If anything, I am getting sick of playing Catan Jr. <laughs> we have played a lot of it since uh, since it came out. Um, we have no, like, real video game going on that we're playing together. It's been all Catan. Like, after supper, you want to play Catan? You want to play Catan? And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's at a point where I've sort of, like, the first few moves I've got memorized now in terms of what we do each time and how we're trying to foil the other one. I think it's just the right amount of like complexity. Uh, it's the most complex game that she's played, but also very understandable and digestible. And yeah, like really, really fun. I cannot, I, you know, I cannot recommend it enough. Just fantastic game. You're stuck in your house with your kid. And honestly, seven year old is you're getting to a point where they can do a lot of things, mm -hmm. but, but yeah, you want to challenge, you want to challenge them. And, and Catan junior is a, Gwen is so good at Catan Jr. that like now I'm like I think I, I haven't played adult Catan for a while because of COVID. Um, but uh but I'm thinking I should pull it out and, and check it out because I think that she could handle it. Cause the way that she handles junior Catan just makes me think, man, she'll 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 be good to go. Anyway, very, very fun to be at a point where you can have those sort of experiences and like at the beginning i was really having fun playing the game i was like man i'm getting to have a, a board game like normally the guys we'd have board game nights only so often now i'm getting to play board games all the time but after you play Catan a lot and it's always two players it, it gets like to a certain point you're like okay you know as an adult enough's enough but here's the thing about kids enough is never enough let's watch frozen 150 times daddy you know <laughs> uh it's actually uh it's caden's birthday this weekend i'm kind of looking at this and like we um I won't, I won't get into it now but we had to we had to change well we likely have to change birthday uh plans for him again um so yeah i'm, I'm thinking like if i order like i'll we'll talk about it off air but I, uh in terms of purchasing it uh, but if I order it now, I can get it for his birthday. He's obviously got other things that he's getting for his birthday, but we've been playing, um, we've been playing, uh, uh, I think it's, I don't, don't want to get it wrong. I think it's called Rock Runners. It's uh, Scott Johnson's card game and, and Caden absolutely adores it. So, and it's, uh, so Catan Jr. is a, a, a fine game with two players. Like it doesn't feel like out of balance. No, or out of whack. Yeah, it does not. It's a really great uh, two-player game. I, if anything, I should really, see the problem is we can never play three players. Like I, Jesse would like to, she plays with, with Gwen all the time. And I play with Gwen all the time, but the other parent has to be with Clara, right? Mm -hmm. We're at that point where like, you can't just leave Clara to her own devices. She's going to be jealous. She wants like, so like we haven't been able to play three players but the board flips over. There's two sides to it. And one is for two players and one is for three or four players. So, um, yeah, no, I, I honestly super recommend it. And it's one of the things, here's the thing about board games and stuff like that. 
kids don't pop for them. Like there's gifts that they pop for where they open them and they're like, whoa, this is Mario. And then there's gifts that are like, what is this? You know, what's this, dad? And, and you know, Catan was kind of like one of those gifts where she had like, she didn't really know what to make of it. She had obviously never heard of it. She hadn't asked for it and that. But then, of course, those are the gifts that once they start using them, they're like, whoa, this is so awesome and I love it, you know. So I would definitely say can strongly consider it. And if Caden is, for whatever reason, not ready for it yet, he'll be ready for it short, soon, uh, soon uh, I'm sure. Cool. All right. Well, that's really cool. I, I'll have to check that out. And, uh, yeah, I know he's uh, – He's been really uh, into the board games and such, and I think that um, the struggle we've had is that he... So we tried to play checkers, and, I mean, he's not quite... He, he's still learning the rules, and, and I think he gets he, he gets frustrated when... Not that he... When he doesn't win, but he gets frustrated when he... Um, how do I put this? It doesn't make him sound like a sore loser, but I feel like he gets frustrated when he's just, he's not quite there with the game yet. Right. Like, and I mean, that's the difference with rock runners who are playing it. Like he's, he's winning and not because I'm, um, you know, uh, you know, better at the game or I understand it better. It's just that it's designed in a way where anybody can win. And I think that's when you mentioned that about Catan junior, I was kind of like, Oh, you know, maybe that's another, another good one because he really does enjoy the experience of of those type of games it's just it's hard to find that balance because there are like board games you can get for you know very young children and it's like it's usually like a co-op experience it's not very exciting i think one we bought a while ago was like this like chicken game where you have to like move across the board and you you depending on where you land you get a bunch of chickens it's, I'm not explaining it, but it, it, explaining it probably wouldn't make it any more fun. Um, and I think like that's where we're kind of looking at is like getting to an experience of like board games and video game experiences where it's not just like like a child's you know toy. It's actually getting to the point where like they're you know uh, they feel like the the game isn't belittling them, right? Like it's still a game designed for young children, but it's not designed in a way where it's like you know, a, a preschool toy, right? Cause they're not at that. They're, they're, they're at an age where they have that skill to, to play a, a, a skillful game. So Matt, but not like real Catan. Like I remember that game being super complex and, uh, but Catan junior sounds fun. He's still like, there are a couple of red flags when you were talking there about, about checkers, Gwen likes checkers, but like, um, cause it, there are a few, you know, there's like three recipes and they require different resources and you gotta be like, I'm trading two of these to the stockpile for blah, blah, blah. Like there is, I mean, like it's not super complicated, especially compared to regular Catan, but it's like, I mean, could frustrate him. Uh, yeah. but it, but if he's not ready for it, like tomorrow he would be soon. So anyway, food, food for thought. I, I really, uh, I, I really liked it. Um, and, uh, I see here in the show notes, you've got schools closed back open. No, that, yeah. well, we did touch on that. That, But that does sound, that does sound like, like if, if there was, I, I almost feel like that's the name of this episode. I feel like that's been my life the past, the past, it's like, are the schools open? Yes or no, you know? And uh, if we had recorded this episode last week when the schools were closed, I would probably have been walking dead but you know now i'm all i'm all peppy because oh yeah i i've 
you know, I've been getting sleep and my kids have been at school and they've been sleeping and all of this. Yeah. I do. Clara's been having a bit of a sleep challenge and stuff. And if it continues, I'll talk about it next episode. But I know we are probably running long. Yeah, well, you know, we'll have lots to talk about next week because we've already uh, we've already gone long in the dungeons and the diapers. And uh, as a tease for next week, I do have an update on the whole like overnight uh, potty training. And we we seem to have um, we we hit a we hit a bumpy road, a lot of uh, laundry that had to be done, and but then we kind of like took a break and came back at it. And um, yeah, so we'll talk about that next week as well. I'll have to remember that because that's been. It's funny, like when you know you, you kind of forget these things as, as you're trying to put together the notes. But a um, lot has happened in the last uh, month. But Crofton is right; schools are closed, schools are back open. What'll happen in the next couple of weeks? Who knows? We'll find out. But I know we have an email. We teased it last week. I promised Travis we'd read it. So here we go. Hey guys, a few weeks ago you were discussing the pro. Well, I should say a few episodes ago. You were discussing the process uh, for children receiving the COVID vaccine in Canada and how to decide on the correct approach for the family. My oldest son, Noah, is six and recently received his second dose of the vaccine, so I thought I'd share my experience. Throughout the pandemic, we simply referred to COVID as the germs so my kids could have some sort of comprehension of what's going on without them uh, having too much exposure to the severity of the situation. They know the reason schools were closed and that they now have to wear masks is because of the germs, that sort of thing. So leading up to Noah's uh, vaccination appointments, we would ask him if he had any questions or he had felt about it. He knew that his appointment would be for a special shot to help fight off the germs, so it was a little different than the regular shots he's received before, but that the process would be the same. He also wanted, uh, We also wanted him to know that it was COVID-related because we wanted him to understand that it would help protect him from the germs uh, uh, we've been talking about for the last year and a half. I, I expected one or two reactions. He would either be nervous because it was a shot and it was something different, or he would be excited because the germs wouldn't be uh, as much of a worry for him anymore. What I was not prepared for was his reaction of, it doesn't really matter. Even after I get the shot, I still can't play soccer again anyway. It was a little heartbreaking to see such a jaded what's in it for me reaction that we've so often seen from adults during the pandemic from a, a six-year-old. This led us to have, uh, this led us to um, what I think is a really important conversation about how, yes, even though he's right and it won't immediately get things back to normal in a way that will benefit him, it's important for him to take this step because of, if people don't, not only will he not be able to play soccer, but no one else will be able to either. I don't want to turn it into a deep political discussion, but we did use the opportunity to talk about how it is important to think about how our actions can help others even when they don't immediately help ourselves. Definitely was not expecting to have that conversation at that depth at such an early age. Anyway, just thought I'd share my experience in hopes that it can spur discussion or help others prepare for situations they might not expect arising from children's vaccine availability. Uh, and, and to date the email, happy holidays to both of you and the dad community, Travis. So Crofton, uh, it's, it's interesting because since the email came in, um, uh, both booster shots and uh, availability of the vaccine to uh, from five to eleven year olds in Canada became available. Um, so since this email, I know Gwen got her shot, uh, Caden got his first shot, and uh, both Ashley and I got our boosters. I think you got you got your booster as well, right? You tweeted it, of course. Uh, that's how I find out everything about you. Yes, 
Um, yeah, I tweeted it. Yeah, no, I got my shot. Uh, but but Gwen and Gwen definitely did, and we totally. I think I, we talked about it. I bribed her, McDonald's and toy and the whole nine yards. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I, uh, I feel for what uh, what Travis is saying there. Um, so right after Gwen got her booster, she came back, and uh, I want to say, like I mean a it was during the holidays or right before, at the beginning of the holidays. And then at the end of the holidays, we were, she's told that the schools are closed and I, and, and she said, but I got my shot. And I said, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and, oh, no. and, uh, and, and she was like, what? It's that's not fair. I got my shot. And I was like, I was like, no, I, I know, but it's, it's like, it's bigger than just you. It's more complicated. And, and uh and all of this sort of stuff but for from her mind it was like the one thing that she was supposed to do to make things go back to normal and she did it and things not only don't go back to normal they get worse because she'd been at school and now she wasn't going to get to go to school it was you know it was challenging for her to to wrap her her mind around it and yeah like kids are self-interested man like that's just that's the na the nature of it. They're going to think about how things are in relation to them. So, Travis, I wouldn't beat yourself too up too much about about uh, about them being like, "What's the point anyway?" or what have you. I I, I can, and we're all feel we're all feeling it. And kids also, you know, they they react to the public environment and what's going on. So, uh, but yeah, I'm now Gwen is stoked for her second shot, but she's she's excited for it based on the reason of getting more McDonald's, McDonald's and yeah. another present, not for anything about the public health in which he could not give two shits. So, uh, so yeah, but we, we, you know, she was a trooper and I'm glad to hear that Travis's experience went pretty well. And like my mind went well, with Gwen. I'm, and, and she talks about the other shot, like it's going to be a piece of cake. So I'm hoping that that will be the case. And then we'll only have Clara to worry about. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the the thing for us is that um, youngest Isabel won't be able to get a shot for probably a while. Um, Abigail should be uh, eligible this year since she's turning five. But with Caden, um, I think Caden was he wasn't excited, but like we didn't we didn't have to kind of talk him into it. We kind of explained what was going on, and the shot would help. You know, it would it collectively help us get back to normal. But it requires everybody to kind of, or at least a majority of, of folks to get their shots. But it's really for protection as well. And I think he he understood that. He grasped it. Um, when we got the shot, we went in. I think I was more... Uh, I was more nervous than, than he was. Because again, like it was a... You know, um, it, it's, it's just like there's crowds there's a bunch of people we're all it's a a lot of uh vaccinations are happening all at once but Caden he's in there he's not nervous he's like talking a mile a minute the nurse was like losing it <laughs> he was just talking so much and he was just such a trooper and uh he had a <laughs> I didn't think it was possible but he had a great time he was uh he was excited to be there and um I I I'm really glad that it went well um for, for everybody here in terms of these stories and, and, and whatnot, because like, yeah, it, I think it is important. Um, it was a, it was a, you know, a conversation that Ashley and I had to have in terms of, you know, uh, Caden getting his shot. But I, I think at the end of the day, like it is, it is the best thing, um, that we can do to, to help 
protect them while they're out there at school and stuff. But I, I totally understand the sentiment of like, you know, why is school closed if I, if I got my shot? Um, because that is, that has been, you know, the discussion around opening schools is, is we need to make sure that, uh, a majority of people are vaccinated. I, I know, I know we're not quite there yet, um, with that new age bracket that just opened up. So, Hopefully, I don't know when Caden can get his second shot, but I think he is he is also excited to get in there. I didn't have to bribe him with McDonald's. I think if he knew he was missing out on McDonald's, he'd be pretty upset. So no one send him the timestamp. Um, not that you would know how to to send uh, the timestamp to Caden, but but don't do that because then I'll have to go buy. Yeah, well, McDonald's. I've been talking to Caden about being a co-host for a long time. That's I have true. his con- I have his contact email. I actually gave him a cell phone, which uh, he, oh. he used. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I uh, I'm glad to hear that, that it's going well with his shot. As Ale- as Alexander Hamilton once famously said, "I'm not going to miss my shot." Yeah, so. no. Luckily, the nurse did did not. It was, it was she was true to her aim so uh no issues there but thank you travis for writing in and providing us uh with with the that story and and i'm glad that uh everyone is doing well uh but that is going to do it for this episode thank you so much everybody for listening uh we're back at it 2022 um look forward to many more episodes of dungeons and diapers to come Visit us on the web at tgistudios.com slash dad. That's where you'll find all of our episodes, including new ones, as we post them over the course of the year. Email the show dad at tgistudios.com like Travis did, and we will read your email here on the show. We really appreciate when we get uh, those emails. Uh, You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me at rmurphy. Uh, You can also send timestamps to at Croft and Steers, depending on where Crofton is mentioned in different podcasts uh, that his friends do. Um, You know, I I think there are name drops here and there. Uh, And you can also follow the show at D&D Cast. Uh, You may have gotten a preview of what this show would have included because Crofton um, thought we were recording last week, so he just posted his notes to Twitter. So um, you should go follow D&D Cast. Uh, It's probably a good idea. Yeah. (laughs) I'm mostly kidding. It's not that you forgot we were doing a show. It's like, we we yeah anyways it's uh i won't explain the joke but yeah follow D cast you'll get all that fun preview stuff there uh, but that is going to do it for this episode of dungeons and diapers have yourself a great couple weeks and we'll see you in just a little bit bye everybody bye